You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, in 2020, I had an experience that actually was one of the most heartbreaking of my life. And I was ready to become a grandmother and so excited. It actually was going to change my life to be a grandmother. I was going to slow down my work and just see those babies all the time. My daughter-in-law and son live right down the street from us. So I was very, very excited. And about six months along, well, before six months along, we found out that my daughter-in-law was expecting twins and we are on top of the world. So, so excited. Twin boys. So, oh my gosh, you know, you're doing all the things you're, you're buying the little things to take care of the baby at your house, the babies, and just getting all ready and prepared for these babies to arrive in the world in December, 2020. And in September, September 15th, she gave birth early and I was there. My son was there. My husband was there and it was just tragic because they couldn't save the boys. We got to hold them. We got to stay with them for as long as we wanted to, which was definitely more than 12 hours. We, we, you know, just spent time with them. They, they were born alive, but they just could not survive at that point. They were about two weeks shy of being able to survive on their own. So it was extremely heartbreaking. And at that moment, even though I've never been a person that has, has been for abortion, I, I just am not. But I never have been somebody that really judged other people. I just knew what was right for me. But at that moment, I, I just had this overwhelming sense looking at these babies who were perfect babies, perfectly formed, just with their hair, with their fingernails, with every single part of a human being intact. How do you kill those babies? And I, it just was a turning point for me. I want to talk to you ladies about it because it hasn't left me. It, it, it was a very powerful moment. And these babies were just shy of six months old uh, in utero. But now with the new laws in many places, they can abort babies up to nine months. And I, I just don't see how, how we can do that, how we as human beings can do that. Help me here. Boy, I don't. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. That's an incredibly to say it's an incredibly difficult time in your life and situation doesn't do it justice. And my heart goes out to you and your family and daughter-in-law. So I have had thoughts about the whole abortion issue for many years as a woman. And 
some of my thoughts may have been a result of the way that I was raised and to think about certain things. And then as I approached my 20s and actually had a situation where I thought I might be pregnant, I had to consider some things in my mind. And it's difficult to say I actually considered some things. And that one situation changed my judgmental approach, shall we say, about people thinking how easy it might be or just, oh, just I'll go get an abortion and this just take care of this little problem. And it is not a, a decision taken lightly, I believe, by, I would say, most any woman. And the thought of when life begins has been a big issue in my mind. And when I read stories and articles out there about that opinion, I know what my opinion is regarding that. And for me, life does begin at conception. So it is most difficult for me to think about, as you said, Linda, anyone, it, it just boggles my mind that someone could not believe that it's a viable human being, especially with today's technology, when you can actually see the fetus forming, you can tell what this quote glob of cells is. You, you can tell that it's life. You can feel that it's life. And to think that it's not, I can't wrap my mind around it. Am I alone on that thought? No, Becky, I have to agree with you. I, I've never been faced with having to make a decision one way or the other on what I would do or I wouldn't do. But I can tell you sitting here that I would not consider abortion because I agree with you that life does start at conception. You have to, I go back to many things. Um, you plant a seed in the ground and you see a sprout, it's living. Uh, that's the same concept of planting a seed in a woman's womb. And God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he knew us before we even were there. When that, those two seeds begin to grow together, the sperm and the egg, that is life. That is alive. There is no there's no question as to whether something is living. If it's not living, it isn't going to grow. And you have to look at what is actually going on in the woman's body in six weeks and sometimes even sooner. There's a viable heartbeat. It, it, it beats within the, the baby's chest. And I, I do not understand how pro-abortionists can get around the fact that it's not a baby. What is it going to grow into? If it's not a baby, it can't grow into anything else other than what it started out to be. I don't think anybody that breeds animals would disagree with you that when that animal conceives, what is growing inside of that animal is another animal of likeness in nature. 
And what is growing inside of a woman is a baby, flesh. It Now, does it look like a baby at the beginning? No, but that doesn't take away from what it is going to be and what it has already been designed to be. I think the question becomes, when is that baby viable? It, I don't, I don't know if people disagree that it's a life or not, but, but they disagree that it's viable. And if it's not viable, then they don't give it the value of a life. Uh, Judy, what do you think? Well, the, there's so many different levels of when, you know, people's opinions of when it becomes viable and yet, oh, it's been proven over and over again that uh, so Dr. Jasper Williams, former president of the National Medical Association said life begins when the ovum is fertilized and the new combined cell masses begin to divide. Um, in the womb by National Geographic in 2005, it says biologically speaking, human development begins at fertilization. So the, it, it is interesting to me because I have always been a, a supporter of pro-life my whole, my whole life. And I always wondered what, what the, I, could, I just can't understand the argument that um, it's, the decision is being made once you get pregnant. But I always believed that the decision is being made when you choose to engage in sex. When you choose to engage in sex and you get pregnant um, and people are so surprised that they're pregnant, right? Uh, it, it baffles me. Um, I think that, you know, you, whatever, take precautions. And then there's the argument that uh people who, who support pro-choice will say, well, what about, what about the, the, the women who have been raped, right? And yet point, it's, it's 0.5% as of 2004 get an abortion because they've been raped. Point, four, you know, 5%. And around 4% of women who receive abortions do so because of health-related issues. That's the other argument, that it's a choice between the mother's life and the child's life. Um, and really only 4% of all abortions are, are um, decided because of that. So 23 to 25% do so because they just feel the timing isn't right. The timing isn't right to have a life. You know, it's interesting that you say that, and I agree with that's how they feel. If you look just back in uh, 2017, Planned Parenthood, who performs lots and lots of abortions, performed 345,672 abortions from October 1st, 2017 to September 30th, 2018, which was the highest number of abortions ever reported in a single year. Think about that number. That's a staggering number of lives that we have taken. And you know, the, the debate always seems to be, 
does the woman have the right to her own body? And that's what they say. That is their argument. You know, I'm, I'm pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant. I have the right to what happens in my body, but that's just so difficult because you have created another human being and you don't have the right to destroy that person's life. So it's, it just gets so sticky and there seems to be no middle ground here. Um, But the grounds have seemed to shift in the way that in the beginning, when we started doing abortions, we were more into, you know, the, the life of the mother, or if the child was going to be severely handicapped or those types of things. Then we went to really abortion on demand up to a certain point in time. But now, now we've gone where you can just suck a baby, a living baby out of a woman's womb up to the point of birth. And I I just cannot imagine anybody that has ever witnessed childbirth that could possibly think that way and do that. It boggles my mind. And I, as Becky said, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, you know, Linda, I, this sounds like a very simplistic answer and I, I, I want to say, forgive me for even saying it, but having had some personal thoughts about this topic back when I was mid early twenties, I believe the main problem with that thought process is all about pure inward thinking, pure selfishness, which everybody has. We are selfish human beings. I can think of no other reason why those decisions outside of perhaps the medical issues or if just a matter of inconvenience, let's say, if it were just a matter of inconvenience or just not the right time of my life, I had trips planned, I had life, blah, blah, blah. My only, the only way that I can fathom that a woman can make this okay is to shut out emotion and just simply say, but this is my life. And am I, do you agree with that thought that perhaps there's a mass thought out there of this is my life, this is my time, and this is a big inconvenience for me. And this can happen later in life and we'll stop this process from going any further. And if you don't see it, you don't have to deal with it and complete avoidance. I'm looking at a picture of a woman at a pro-choice march on my computer, and she has written on her stomach, I guess she did it with a marker, my body, my choice. And that offends me. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just going to say it right out. I am an advocate pro-life person, and I fight and I have fought for the rights of the baby from the time I was 20. I used to march and I used to carry posters and I did it quietly. We did it respectfully. We did not cause a problem. And one of the things you mentioned, 
Linda, was what people think that that little object is in the womb. And I was talking to a young girl walking into a clinic and I was showing her because she told me how far along she was. And I was showing her what her baby looked like at that point because we carried um, visuals so that we could have an impact with people. And the girl that worked at the clinic came up and grabbed her arm and looked at me and in my face said, it is nothing but a blob of snot. And that's what the abortion clinics believe. That's what they are brainwashed to think. They do not think that what is growing inside of a woman is anything other than a blob of tissues. It doesn't have any rights. It doesn't have any viability outside of the womb before a certain stage in the growth process. And they tell these girls that so that to make them feel better about what they're about to do or the choice that they decide to make. What I find interesting is when you abort a baby, it's okay. It is not, a, it's not against the law. It's your right according to the law. When an individual kills a pregnant woman, irregardless of what stage of the pregnancy she's in, it's a double murder. What I find interesting is that they cannot reconcile that with an argument to change their viewpoint. It's a murder. It's a double murder if the mother and child die. It's not murder if the woman decides she's going to kill her baby by having an abortion. My fellow Americans, our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Hey, welcome back. We're uh, chatting today about the uh, this incredible issue of abortion uh, that I know that everybody has feelings one way or another. And I've spoken to many women in my life who uh, are pro-choice uh, and many women who are, are pro-life. Um, one of my best friends actually had an abortion when we were in college and I have seen the terrible effects uh, that it's had on her. I am personally so grateful 
that the biological mother of my youngest daughter, Emma, chose not to have an abortion. She, uh, she gave her child up for adoption. We adopted Emma when she was almost three years old. And she is just the light of our life. Um, we, we've been so, so blessed with Emma and her mom could have easily chosen to abort her. They, one of the big arguments that I, you know, people have regarding being able to choose abortion or not choose abortion is that I, they, they say, I, you know, I can't afford this child or this child is coming into uh, the world in a horrible situation where the parents are struggling. They can't afford to feed that baby. They can't even afford to, to take care of themselves. Their drug, uh, Emma's parents were both drug addicts and struggled with that disease forever, forever. Emma was taken straight from birth, put into the foster care system. And she uh, was cocaine addicted and uh, struggled terribly. And so many people would say, well, why, you know, why, why not just abort that kid, right? Because she's going to struggle her whole life. And yet she was, she was, we were blessed. That kid fought to live. I'm telling you, she had her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. She weighed two pounds. She was smaller than a Chips Ahoy cookie bag, I'm telling you. Um, and we were praying, praying, praying so hard to have a baby. And we just couldn't. I was a cancer survivor, still in cancer treatment, and I couldn't have any more babies. And to think that we would not have had Emma because, because she was inconvenient or they were afraid they couldn't feed her or she was being born into a dysfunctional, horrible situation. Um, God had a plan for her. And I tell her, no matter what this world said, no matter what this world did, she was born to be a Moran. And um, the, the greatest blessing is Emma. So I, I just completely debunk that whole idea that people can't, somebody can't afford to bring a child into this world. Um, So the other piece of this is that my mom really struggled to have me, but I, my parents had my sister, but my father struggled with uh, being a gay man his whole life. And my mom discovered this when she was pregnant with me. And I'm telling you, she did not want to be pregnant with me. She did not want to be in this relationship. It was, and plus it was in 1964 and her parents had turned her back on her when she wanted to divorce my father. Uh, They, they completely disowned her. And uh, so she was faced with, should I abort this child or should I, um, give birth to this child. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad she decided to keep me, but I'm know, pretty glad about I that too, that. Judy. <laughs> <laughs> <I am> too. 
The, wor the world would be a lesser place without you, Winnie. Thank you. And, I love and, you. Thank you. Know, speak, you. Speaking of being a lesser place, a 345,000 babies boggles my mind. And that's just in the United Isn't States, it? just by Planned Parenthood. What about children, fetuses um, that are going to be severely handicapped? Or what about, as you said, Judy, drug-addicted parents where the child will have lots of problems? Is there some wiggle room there for anyone? Well, mm -hmm. I have a little personal story, again, that I can share regarding this issue. My husband was married before we were married, and his wife died of melanoma and she was diagnosed and then after treatment of I don't know I think it was six months or something they said she was in remission she was 36 I believe and they said if you are ever thinking about having children now would be the time while you're in remission and they got pregnant and I, I don't remember exactly how far along they were, but it was well enough to know that she was pregnant and they had started buying things. And then the cancer came back and the cancer came back with a vengeance and all, all sorts of took over her body and they made a decision because the doctors told them continue on this path have the child and you won't live. So there was, they, it was a decision that they made for those purposes. And I can't imagine going, I, I can't, as much as I know the situation, I still can't imagine going through that situation and making or having, wanting, needing to make that incredible decision. I, I personally still am not, the verdict is out on those things because I want to just say no abortion anytime for whatever reason whatsoever, all babies should, there should not be abortion at all. I've never been in those situations and I haven't had to make those decisions and those thoughts. So that is a really, really tough question, Linda. Well, I'll bring up another situation. I know of a woman by the name of Mary. And 70 years ago, she found herself pregnant with her third child and she lost a middle child after three days of it living because of a heart defect that they did not know how to fix at that time, but they can fix now. So she lost her second baby. She found out she was pregnant with her third child and her oldest child was nine years old. Her husband was an alcoholic. He was an abusive man. So she got on the bus and she went to a illegal abortion clinic only to find up at the top of the stairs that it had been closed and permanently arrested the people that were there. So she got back on the bus crying arguing with the Lord, what am I going to do? I can't raise another child in this abusive situation, having lost a child to a 
birth defect. I don't know how I could handle this again. Got home, decided to carry the child seven months, and I was placed in her arms when she delivered me. This is a hard, hard story for me to share because it was my mother that decided when that abortion clinic was closed to keep me. And I'm 70 years old now. And I am grateful. People ask me, well, were you mad at your mother when she shared that story only 30 years ago with me? And I said, oh, heavens, no, I'm not mad. I'm ever so grateful that she loved me enough to divorce my abusive father that beat her on the day that I was born and took me to a life that I could survive in and live and have my own family knowing how precious life is and that that was a purely unselfish decision she made. And I'm sorry that I get emotional, but I still do. And I can't imagine making that decision for any reason. I know women that have had to deliver their babies early because they had a birth defect, were told their child would not live, decided to carry the baby to full term knowing that that child would only live live 30 minutes, but I can tell you from their testimonies, they would not have made any other decision other than the one they made because they had 30 minutes with their child. And yeah, that child. That's, that's so tough because sometimes I know that I have a family member who had a son born who kept dying during childbirth and then, of course, he got cerebral palsy and he was really a vegetable for his whole 17 years of life. And I saw the toll that that took on my sister and her husband. And I saw more so that the lack of quality of life that that child had. So I sometimes I feel like a hypocrite in this whole dilemma, because I don't want to see a child suffer either. And I'm not talking about something, I mean, like Down syndrome, where they children can have a good life, where children, I mean, those children, some of them are just so wonderful and so happy. But I'm talking about severe handicaps. I, I, I think that I have an opening in my heart to let them go if if that is the decision of the parent because to have absolutely no life and no quality of life and to be in pain your whole life i that hurts me too much to think about but it's such a dilemma because some of us draw a red line in the sand and we say no not ever and some of us are on the other side that say anytime. And I feel like I'm far over on the side that says no, not ever, but I am leaving a window open for there are instances where I, I think, I think it's better. And that's a struggle. That's an internal struggle to have because it goes against 
what I believe. And I do feel like lots of women feel the way that I feel. Although sometimes I wonder when I see these women marching around in their vagina hats and Mm -hmm. saying that they can, you know, just, I just eliminate this child's life at any time. And they just don't seem to have any feeling about it. As Becky K said, it's, it's selfish. It's, you know, we're, we're self-centered. We, we're not thinking about that child. So I don't know. It's a dilemma for me. Does anybody else have this same dilemma? I just don't know that the decisions can be made until you're in that situation. From what I have learned and experienced, I, I used to think I could, I want to say judging, there's no other way to say it. I used to think I could make that decision for them in my mind. I, I can't. Um, and if I did, that is judging them. I do think for me, I can't have the conversation without expressing my faith and walk with Christ and knowing if a person doesn't have a relationship with Christ, if they don't know God, their thought process on this issue is going to be very different. I I would have to, yeah, I would have to agree with you. I was, uh, again, and I don't mean taking up so much space. I have a cousin who's doctor played God and told them that her baby would be severely handicapped based on x-rays and other issues. And so we were back and forth talking and because my husband was a physical therapist, wanted to know what she was up against when the baby was born. Well, when the baby was delivered, it wasn't severely handicapped she had twins and what the doctor was seeing in all of the modern technology were legs intertwined with other legs and limbs. And this was many years ago before we had sonograms, but still had she allowed the doctor to play God, she would have lost those twins with an abortion that wasn't necessary based on bad information. I think we have to be careful. Wow. I agree. I agree. I, I, I hear absolutely what you're saying, Becky, and, what, and also what you're saying, Linda, because I really thought about it in that if, if your child is going to be severely handicapped and they will be in pain, the, the biggest, my biggest concern is will my child be in pain? Well, you know, all children are in pain, right? At one point, right? And it kills, it kills us. And yet, coming from a Christian background, I believe in, in the Lord, and I believe that God has a plan with, for every single soul. And that I wonder, as you watched your, uh, is it your, your sister-in-law and your, your brother, as they journeyed through their life with their child who was severely handicapped. There had to have been joy in there also. I'm sure it was probably the most difficult um, situation of their, of, of their life. 
And yet I, I know that in my, the most difficult situations in my life, when I turn to God, he, he walks me through it. Um, and I know that I'm better for it. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great, that's um, a great point, Judy. Um, I know one thing my mother has always shared with me and continues to encourage me with is we don't know what God is doing in other people's lives. And one person's tragedy could be what God is using for their personal growth. And we don't know the inner workings of that. I've known people that I have just been absolutely heartbroken for because they have children who are incapacitated and in wheelchairs and in horrific situations. And I, I think, Lord, why, why, why? And we just don't know other people's paths and we don't know what appears to be horrific and terrible. God can use for his purposes and the growth in a person's life. And that's really hard because thinking with the human mind, I don't want to see anybody suffer. I hate, I don't like it when people get sick. I can't stand colds or flu or let alone COVID or anything. I cannot stand it. And I, I know, I, I can't imagine how I would feel with that knowledge. But God doesn't think like we do. Thank goodness. I, if, I, if I ruled the world, we'd be in a mess. I'd like to take the opportunity to introduce our Ladies of Liberty today. We have Becky Kolmeinen. Becky is a voiceover artist um, and an extremely good one. You actually hear her voice on Ladies of Liberty commercials. Um, and we have Judy Moran. Judy is, as I always say, Judy, the female <laughs> version of Rod Stewart. Um, <laughs> She is, she is a business owner, entrepreneur, and both Becky and Judy live in Michigan. And then we have Becky Stokes, and Becky Stokes is from Texas, as am I. Becky has been a homemaker for over 41 years and uh, raised a slew of kids herself. And she also has headed up the Trump train in her area of Texas. And I'm Linda Martinelli. Uh, another entrepreneur, business owner, and the host, along with my husband, Dr. Ron Martinelli of Talking While Married right here on America Out Loud, Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be right back. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. 
Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. We are back talking about a difficult subject, quite a controversial subject, when to have an abortion, if to have an abortion, is abortion okay? And why do we find ourselves in a position to even consider that particular subject? I've got three ladies that have opinions about what it looks like in their life. And I'm just going to throw it up right now. I believe our society has a very cavalier attitude toward abortion. We have accepted it as a normal thing. Uh, almost a a contraceptive. If I get pregnant, well, I'll just, you know, get rid of the baby. It's no big deal. Instead of looking at our society and what people think about the whole moral issue about marriage, sex before marriage, when do you have sex? Do you do it before marriage? Do you wait till you are married? Then the whole idea of having an abortion changes and opinions change about it. And let's just talk a little bit about the morality of the situation we find ourselves in. What do you think, ladies? Do we have sex before marriage? Do we use abortion as a contraceptive? What are your thoughts? I think we've completely run amok. That's what I think. I think our whole culture is all about me and about my right and no judgment. Don't judge me. Um, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. I'm going to have sex with as many people as I want. Um, and with any gender that I want, I, it is just, there, there are no moral boundaries anymore. It seems like, um, except if, if I think that there's a big moral boundary on whether you wear a mask or not, but I think, <laughs> I think that they're all this judgment. Everybody's worried about um, being judged or, um, and the whole sex before marriage, it would, you know, sex is a gift from God. It's like your wedding gift. That's supposed to be magnificent and wonderful and enjoyed with your spouse. And that's really why God designed it. But now it's, it, it, it's, there are no, no boundaries. There's no moral boundaries any longer in our culture. And I don't see that changing. I don't, I don't see that changing. Do you guys? I don't. And I, and I have a college age daughter who has shared with me what she has heard from her friends in high school and from friends in college. And if you want to talk about a moral less society, here, here, have a conversation with a 20 something year old. And it's really, it's hard to hear being this generation. It is really tough because we have my parents' generation that was far more moral than my boomer generation. And then you have the, I think my daughter's in the Z generation. And she has said from her conversations with friends and what she knows of the people in her circles and in that generation morals, it's, they're not necessary. Don't need to follow them. It's a hate to say it sounds, I don't know what it sounds like, but it's a godless society. 
and it truly mm-hmm. is. So I don't, I don't see it changing back to the, the way that it was because people in general, in society want everything to be acceptable and they want everything mm-hmm. to be whatever works for them personally, whatever makes them feel good, whatever is comfortable for them, which, which ties into something that I have learned in Iceland. Um, they have a, a very interesting situation where they have very, very few children with Down syndrome and it's by design. And that's a longer story. However, it was interesting to read in this article that if a woman comes in to a medical center, they have an option of taking a test of, um, to find out if they have chromosomal abnormalities. And if they do, they are counseled by this particular person who tells them, this is your life. You have the right to choose how your life will look. And that ties back to my saying how selfish we human beings are. And this person says that in America, people look at this as murder. We don't look at this as murder. We just look at it, quote, as a thing that we end, just a thing. And is that not without morals? I think there's, it's completely void. However, it's sad that I don't think it'll change. And talk about morals. We are teaching in our schools things that, oh gosh, it's just, it riles me up. We teach them sex in third grade. We teach them what it looks like and, you know, how to do it. And I mean, I mean, the, the books that we are showing our children at young ages is giving them the impression that this is okay. And we as adults are ratifying it by allowing this teaching to go on in our schools. And I think every parent should be aware and should, you know, stand up for what you want your child to learn. But I think so many parents are so busy that they don't pay attention. We used to have a society where abortion was much more rare. And when somebody had a child that they couldn't keep or didn't want to keep, then, you know, churches got involved and uh, adoptions got involved. And we didn't have this huge amount of 345,000 children being murdered every year. I just, I just think we've gone so far down that rabbit hole. I don't know if there's a way to get back, but we really need to start bringing God back into America and that society that has churches and moral foundation to it. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a religious fanatic. I'm saying that we need to bring conscience and morality back into our society. And we have a huge segment of our society that is pushing the opposite direction. They want less of that. So we are just at this crossroads in in life right now. And I don't think it's going in the right direction. Judy, I wanted to bring up something that you just mentioned. And I, it was something that I, we, as our, as parents taught our children, the whole gift idea, when you 
when you pledge to marry somebody, you are the only one that you can give the gift of purity to. And I mean, anybody can give a gift to either one of you, but your spouse, you are the one that can say, I have saved this gift and I'm only giving it to you. I've never given it to anyone else. And that's the gift of purity. And we forget that you love people to the point of wanting to save that, wanting to uh, offer that to them as a token of your love. We treat sex nowadays as if it's a casual, do what I want to do, what I want to do, how I want to do, with whomever I want to do. And the other thing that we are not teaching our children, and I'm going to get into the medical part of this a little bit, but the more partners that you have sex with, the bigger the chance of having cervical cancer for women and for men, other types of cancer. And so doctors don't share that with their patients, but if you can give your spouse the gift of purity, the chance of you getting cervical cancer is zero because you've not had sex with anyone else. That's something to think about. That's something we need to teach people about. It's so, you know, I agree with you so much, Becky, you know, I was uh, talking with my niece and she had done, get this at MSU, they had a sexual, what was it? Um, class on hooking up literally. Okay. It was a class on how to hook up with people. Um, on, which, you know, sexually, can you imagine that it was, it was a class all on sexuality. And what she shared with me was that our generation, um, that people, most people had, um, three partners in their lifetime, sexual partners. Okay. And this, and then they took the census or whatever, um, of the students today and girls usually have 12 different partners by the time they're 22, 12 different partners. Can you, I mean, that's what our society is right now. And it's normal. I mean, to them, it's, it's nothing. She, thank goodness, you know, has been raised and my daughters have been raised in a Christian home. And we talk, we've talked about it all along uh, with them. We didn't wait, you know, until they were in their teens. We talked about it. We started chatting about it um, early on because we knew that they were going to be introduced to it on the playground and, and through other kids. And I wanted, I wanted uh, our belief to permeate them before they went out into the real world and we've had many many conversations but it it just makes me sad I don't know how to combat it other than you know really getting involved uh, with our youth and counseling them well I think it's like we always say most everything starts in the home home, right Mm -hmm. it has to start in the home and we have to teach our kids uh, the values and the morals and we have to teach them not to throw away life as the, if, if they become pregnant, then 
that baby either should be raised or could be given up for adoption, but not murdered. And I think that we as parents have to do that job. Unfortunately, as the generations go, you know, past the boomers and you have the X and the Z and all the whatever they are, mm-hmm. they, they had a lot of that freedom to do whatever they wanted. And they have grown up in that selfish world and me, me, me. And they, they just, it just seems to me that this problem is getting worse. And when I see our politicians standing up on podiums saying that we can kill babies up to nine months, I'm horrified. I'm horrified that that is where we are in this country. And I don't know how to take that back because we need to take that back. That that's not okay. You have a governor in Virginia that went on TV with women standing behind him, ready to sign a law that said the baby could be born. The mother and the doctor would have a conversation whether or not to give that baby any life changing support at that point, they would set the baby aside. And if they chose to let the baby die, they would leave it there. I don't think the law was ever signed in to law, but the women behind him were clapping. So that tells you how calloused our hearts have become as a nation. Well, now they want us to fund everybody's abortion. They want taxpayer funded okay. abortion. So, you know, it's getting to where our dollars, your dollars and my dollars are going to abortion, which I think that we agree that we all disagree with. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, it, this is, this is a big subject And there's so many questions around it. I mean, as I said before, I, I have a dilemma in my own mind about a child that would be severely handicapped. I have a question in my own mind about a mother that will die. I I have a uh, employee who had uh, cancer found they found stage four cancer while she was pregnant And again, it's a situation where if you keep going with the pregnancy, that's going to really put her in harm's way because of the hormones. But she did keep going with the pregnancy. And she has a little boy just turned one years old. And did it help her? No, it didn't help her situation. But she's grateful for the time that she has. Mm -hmm. And she's fighting for her own life but she chose his life. These are tough, tough questions for women. But I just feel like we're being too cavalier in this country about it. And I do feel like our morality has gone by the wayside in this issue. You're right. It is. We are becoming a moralless society by choice, sadly. I think that in the end, the real question about abortion boils down to whose life is more important and how do you value that life? So that to me, that's the question. And, and what pro-choice 
believers believe that it's the older person's right to choose whether they want to be inconvenienced or if they want to, um, to, to live when, when you're talking about one life versus another life, right? So like your friend, um, or Thor's, Thor's, uh, first wife who was faced with the decision of her life or her baby's life at that point. Uh, I think that that's a valid choice. That's a valid situation that you, you choose, but, um, but in the end, how do we quantify life? How do we quantify the value of life? Uh, what life actually matters? Everybody's talking about what color of life matters around right now. Um, but really, is it an age? Is it from conception? Or do you, you know, is, is it that you're smaller or you're bigger? A bigger person life is, is more valuable than a smaller person. Uh, when do you become a person? Those are the questions really that abortion asks. And we as a society have to figure out uh, the value. That's true. I'm not sure how you do that without God. You can't because every life is is made in the image of him. And who is to say that even a handicapped child like Beethoven would not have something to offer the world? Absolutely. Oh, and boy, did he. And oh, my goodness. So many do. So many do. You're absolutely right. Look at, oh, gosh, I can think of any number of them, but we don't have time to think of all of them. This has been a really good conversation. Thank you all for participating. It's, it's a hard one in, in a lot yeah. of ways. And, you know, thinking about tackling this was something that we all had to think about. So uh, hopefully it gives other ladies something to think about as well. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 